Hey everyone, it's Rob, and welcome back to Starfield Pulse, the world's number one Starfield podcast. This is episode 13 for Monday, August 28th, 2023. And if you're like, hey, Rob, I just watched or listened last Monday, and that was episode 10. What happened to 11 and 12? Well, Gamescom. That's what happened to podcast 11 and 12. Last week, we had so much new information coming out every single day that I did two bonus episodes throughout the week that ended up being multi-hour long marathons. So if you made your way through both of those, bless you, bless you. But that brings us to today, episode 13, lucky number 13. And you want to know why it's so lucky? Because we are less than 72 hours away from early access of Starfield. I don't know about you, but I'm getting pretty excited to boldly go into the Starfield. This episode is going to be a little bit shorter than those last two. And uh, so tonight, we're going to go over the biggest news of the week. So get excited about the fact that we have less than 72 hours until early access. And for all of you that are watching live, we're going to have a watch party on Twitch and we will watch Interstellar. I really wanted to try and fit some of the other movies that were suggested, but unfortunately, we are restricted to movies that are available on Amazon Prime Video. Otherwise, we run the risk of getting a DMCA, and we don't want that. So some of the biggest news that came out last week. First off, there was a bit of a GQ, what some might call a fluff piece. Uh, it was called Inside, Beth or, I'm sorry, Inside Starfield, how Bethesda's NASA Punk Epic became the biggest Xbox game in a decade. And this was out of British GQ, and the author was Sam White. It reads well. It's an entertaining piece. It did have one thing in it, though, that was pretty informative. And this is where the little news tidbit came from, that there will be a new Game Plus. But they won't tell us what exactly that is. And the reason being is because there's potential spoilers in there. And yeah, so they don't want to give the spoilers away. But regardless, so we had some interesting developments come out of that. Uh, Real quick, though, I want to talk about it. Sam White mentioned that uh, Todd Howard was like the Tom Cruise of the games industry. And I, I found it a funny kind of analogy. I guess, you know, Tom Cruise, in addition to acting, does a lot of producing as well. So maybe that's where you can draw the comparison. Or maybe they're just saying that Todd is a bit of a rock star in persona in the games. Regardless, I thought that was a kind of a humorous comparison. It goes into a bit of Todd's background and uh apparently todd said that the uh human biggest design flaw is death yeah gotta, i think i'll have to admit on that one not looking forward to that someday but hey that's how it happens the game was originally codenamed genesis i think that does really get to the fact that we're going to find a lot of things that have to deal with religion in this game and that's one of the things that excites me the most so i've talked about this before when i went to college the first time i started off as a history major and a lot of the classes that I was really drawn to were theology classes. And it's not because I had wanted to be a theologist. I had no inkling of becoming a person of the cloth. But I was very interested in theology as a theologian and studying how it had impacts on society throughout you know, the millennia. So Codename Genesis, we get into theology. So I was really into how religion helped shape society and culture throughout history, less so about like there being some kind of afterlife, more so just about how it impacts people. So 
<laughs> something in the before times. So if you're really looking to get a lot of news about the game, you really won't get it on this piece. I'll make sure to leave a link to it in the show notes. So you can go ahead and take a look at that if you'd like. But I think we really kind of tackled the biggest pieces there. And now for those of you that have been around a while, you know that I usually like to take a look at some of the, how should I call them? The clickier bait headlines of the week, but they can all really be kind of rolled into that article. And that is new game plus. Is there going to be one? Yes, there's going to be one. We know that now. What's it entail? Nothing. So if you see these tweets or, you know, Facebook messages or Reddit posts, and it's like new game plus, and there's a hyperlink to click, don't click it. Cause it's just going to tell you that they don't know shit. And I already told you that. So I saved you a click. Hopefully I saved you a bunch of clicks. No one knows what new game plus is until I'm sure they'll tell us once the embargo drops. There has also been a little bit of a kerfuffle, if you will, on social media the past week. And I hesitate to get too deep into it because it really is based upon a leak, right? And people, so I don't know how deep I want to get into the leak because I'm not trying to raise the ire of Bethesda, but to summarize it, essentially it looks like, and to their credit, Todd explained this in an interview months, years ago, that when you land your ship on a planet, it kind of generates a tile around your ship. And you can't just like walk all the way around the planet. You can't circumnavigate the planet, which I kind of hoped you'd be able to. But it doesn't appear that that's the case. However, we don't know that factually, but people were making the assumption that you could. And then there was further assumptions that Pete Hines alluded to the fact that you could do that in his interview at Gamescom. So I went back and watched that article, that article. I went back and watched that interview in its entirety today on stream. And I never really heard Pete say that. So for the people that are arguing that Pete said you could you know, go on a planet and walk around it and do go wherever you wanted to. He didn't really say that. So if you're upset at them because you think he said that, he didn't. So you can kind of walk back off that ledge, my friend, and maybe get a little less upset. Uh, and you can fully explore a planet is what it sounds like from the leaks, but you just can't necessarily do it in the way you maybe had hoped. But at the end of the day, I don't know that that's really going to detract from the experience. However, if it ends up being that way, I will be the first to say, hey, this doesn't work uh, or it's annoying. Um, but for now, let's just give them the benefit of the doubt and we'll find out on Thursday. Soon. Soon. There was a very interesting fan project, by the way, that came out over the course of the last week as well. And let me go ahead and we will switch over so everybody can see this. For those of you that are listening at home, I'll also include a link to this as well. This is the Ship Builder Beta. It is sfbuilder.dev. And this is supposed to be a project that will allow everybody to kind of custom build their ships in a web browser. Now, once the game's out, I don't know how much use there will be for this. But for right now, you can come on here and the only thing they have is the frontier and you can just kind of move the pieces around and rearrange them how you will. And I'm not trying to make light of what they did. It's very, it's very cool. Um, I just don't know once we have our hands on the game, how useful this will be. 
but it's definitely neat. And this is a, uh, so I wanted to share this with you. You can just strip the Frontier ship apart and you can find other components and put it together on how you would like to have it. And then you could save your ship, you know, and share that with other people. Maybe that's how we'll be able to make custom ships in the future and share them if we don't have some kind of way to transfer those designs in-game. But regardless, this is the Shipbuilder Beta. It's a three-person team that was credited for working on it. And yes. Trying to see if they have the credits on here. I did see it the first time I came here. I, I guess it's not showing up now. Okay, here we go. About the shipbuilder, this tool is created for the community by the community. The goal is to create a very similar version from the game, but this is a solo project on the front end, so bugs and limitations may occur. Performance. For maximum performance, enable hardware acceleration in your browser. What is the use? This tool aims to provide the players the ability to use Starfield's shipbuilder in an online format. You could use it to test new ship ideas while you're not able to go in the game. You can use it to keep track of modules you want to get. The options are up to you. So essentially, you can sit here and play with this at work when you should be working and can't actually be in the game. So there you go. Using this tool will in the future include spoilers, meaning it will contain all the ship parts available in the game. And this was created by KJ Eltring, number sign 104, website, Shodrick, number sign 6859, 3D models, and Mr. DocX hashtag 3780 3D models. So those are the three people that worked on that. I'm assuming that is their Discord numbers. But that is the Starfield Shipbuilder. Kudos to you three. Keep at it. It looks really cool. And I'm sure that somebody is going to sit here and play with this endlessly when they should be sitting at their desk doing work. Leading to the slowdown of production in the world and our future impending replacement by chat, GPT, and other... Machine learning, AIs. All right, we're done. Okay. Next up, we got in the news. We have the voice cast. So they were Bethesda was kind of busy on Twitter the last day or two, and they put out little bios on all of the different characters that are in Constellation, and then they additionally said who was voicing them. So first off, we have Sarah Morgan, the fierce leader of Constellation. She is passionate about Constellation's mission, leading through action and earning the truest and respect of her peers. She is voiced by Emily O'Brien. They put out a few screenshots of them, and you can find all of this on Twitter if you're interested. Then they did introducing Andrea, Constellation's newest recruit, hailing from the farthest reaches of the settled systems. Andrea is a bit of a mystery to everyone. Nobody knows where she's coming from and where she's going. She's voiced by Sissy Speaks. Next up was Sam Coe, an excellent pilot and even better dad. Having a strong sense of frontier justice, Sam believes that if helping someone means breaking the rules, so be it. And he's voiced by Elias Tofix. Next up, we had Matteo Katri, Constellation's resident theologian. Committed to understanding of humanity's place in the universe through studying relics of our ancient past. I kind of I kind of get with that. Voiced by Carlos Valdez. Now, 
I guess this is probably actually last, but I was going to say, now we have Noel, the youngest member of the Constellation. Beyond being Sarah Morgan's protege, she's a brilliant scientist in her own right and prefers to support Constellation from the comfort of her lab. And she's voiced by Dana Goyer. And I looked these people up on IMDb, and really only four of them had major credits to their name, which, you know. So Sissy Jones does Andrea, and Sissy has been known for the movie, I'm sorry, the movie, the game Firewatch. She's been a voice in The Walking Dead, a Telltale game series, Life is Strange, and The Owl House. She was actually in Baldur's Gate 3 and voiced The Absolute. Okay, so yeah, Sissy was just in Baldur's Gate 3. She was also in Remnant 2. So she's been in some bangers. And then she was also in Redfall. But but then she was in Star Wars Jedi, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. She was in Dead Island 2. And so those are the games she was in in 2023. Oh, no, I, I take that back. She was also in Destiny 2 Lightfall in 2023. So she has a very robust work of... She got a ton of work and she has won a BAFTA. So congratulations to Sissy and welcome to the Starfield crew, right? And so Elias, who does Sam Coe, has also done a number of series lately. He was, you can find him in Star Trek Discovery. You can find him in Star Trek Resurgence, the video game and Gotham Knights and Saints Row and then As, As Dusk Falls. So also someone that has quite a few voice credits to their name. Barry Wiggins was in Goldie and the Bear, Conflict of Interest, Mafia 3, the video game, and he was in Trade Everything but Tom Brady, which was in a recent video. So he doesn't have quite the body of work that some of the other actors do, but he does have credits. And then we have Emily O'Brien as Sarah Morgan. And as most of you know, she has done a ton of work. She was one of the voices in Love, Death, Robots, as well as she's in Days of Our Lives. So she's a soap actress. But she's been was in Exoprimal, Batman, The Doom That Came to Gotham. She was in Midnight Suns. She was in God of War Ragnarok. She was in Gotham Knights. She was Talia Al Ghul. And she does League of Legends, Wild Rift. She was Weapons of Noxus. She was Samira. Also in Saints Row. And then that's really all she had for this year. So tons of tons of work for these actors that are doing the VO. So they're, they have some prominence to them, even though they're not necessarily A-list, like they kind of alluded to. I'm interested to see who's going to turn out being the voice of the parents if you take kid stuff. That takes us to our developer spotlight. And this week, it was Zachary Wilson, senior level designer on Starfield at Bethesda. So you might recognize Zachary. They don't have his headshot on this article. That's crazy. Let's see if I zoom, can scroll down and find him. They don't have it there. I know they had it on Twitter. Let me hop over to Twitter real quick so we can find his face so you can see who he is. Right here, Zachary Wilson. I think most of you guys probably recognize him if you watch the direct. He popped up on there a number of times. Zachary is a senior level designer at Bethesda Game Studios. So the first question they asked him is, what is your role? What does a normal day look like for you? And Zach says, my credited role in the game is senior level designer, but like most people at Bethesda Game Studios know, we wear many hats. In addition to building most of the spaces for the United Colonies faction questline alongside my quest design collaborator, Liam Collins, I also did design work for space content, 
the activities and encounters the players have while flying their ship around the galaxy. I also helped build supporting content for the planet exploration team, as well as working with the tools team to prioritize tool requests from the level design team. I split my time between working in the editor, jamming out cool content, and working with the other teams to prioritize and refine features that we need to bring the game over the finish line. What's your favorite space encounter or activity? There are a couple that I really like, but what I want to keep under wraps until the game releases so that they can be a surprise to the players. One that I've always loved features a hapless tour guide leading a bunch of excited townies out for a space tour and are very excited to meet a real captain. The dialogue is hilarious. We also have legendary ship encounters. These are huge, high-level enemy ships that will dramatically outclass the player through the early part of the game that you have to build up to be able to destroy. I'm kind of looking at these as being our dungeons. So that's how I'm going to put them in my mind palace. These will be our dungeons, and that's what I'm going to look forward to explore, clearing out, and killing the boss to get some weapons. I also really like our derelict ships. We built a bunch of handcrafted derelict ships that focus on the tragedies and perils of space travel that the player can explore and discover the stories behind. The best part about these is we solicited stories from people outside the design team for their contributions. So folks who don't normally get to contribute content to the game were able to put their unique stamp on the game. One of our designers that came from the modding scene, Chris Takahashi, also built several really exciting ship encounters. What was your path into the role? Any specific acknowledgements or inspirations? I got my start in games working with a friend to build a fan site for Civilization II. We were in high school at the time and the site was so popular, more than 3,000 views a day, that's pretty tremendous, that it crashed the servers in the community college where it was hosted. I was somehow able to parlay that into an internship at Firaxis working on Civ 3. And from there I got involved in environment and texture art at EA Tiburon working on Madden and NCAA football stadiums and uniforms. I moved into design when Superman Returns came to the studio, which was an inauspicious start to a career I am otherwise quite proud of. But at least I was all up, up, and away from there. How long have you been with Bethesda? And what advice would you give someone who wants to be in this industry? I've been with the team for seven years now, and my advice has always been the same. If you want to make games, you have to make games. There's never been a time where the tools were more democratized, documented, cheaper, or easier to use. Everything you need to make the next great game is out there. The only thing that's missing is your hard work, dedication, and great ideas. If you don't have industry experience and you want to work at Bethesda, the best way to get started is to download our mod tools and start making content for one of our games. Get your foot in the door by joining a mod team and make content that we can play, that the community can play, that lets us understand that you know what a finished product looks like that you understand the kind of games we make, and that you have technical skill to learn our somewhat esoteric tool set. We regularly hire modders to work on our teams. In fact, right now, I'm helping onboard a level designer who came to us from the Fallout London team. He's one of the number of modders with no industry experience that we've hired recently. And you never know, you might like managing your own teams and be able to turn it into a studio of your own, like the team behind the Forgotten City or the folks that made Enderial did. You might also be able to turn into a more freelancing thing. There are people who've developed work for the Creators Club team that have turned this into a full-time job here at Bethesda Game Studios. Do you have a favorite mod? There are a couple of classics that I love. Frostfall for Skyrim is an immersive survival mod that really changes the way you play the game. It was done by David Pierce, who came on board Starfield and has handled a lot of our economy design. I've also had a ton of fun with Sim Settlements and Fallout 4. It really warms up that part of my brain that games like Satisfactory do so well. 
Of all the mods that I've used over the years, though my favorite has to be Rumpled Rugs mod for Skyrim. It's this hilarious mod that gives enemies a chance to trip over the corners of Rumpled Up Rugs. It's just the kind of thing you would never even think to build in a mainstream AAA game, but it adds this element of surprise and zaniness that I find deeply satisfying. I would lose my shit if I was in a space station, sneaking around, trying to steal something or capture something, liberate something, and there was a patrol and dude just tripped over a rug. That would be hilarious. That would be hilarious. What's been your favorite project to work on so far? NCAA football 2003 has always been a standout moment in my career. It was a very different time in my life and in the world of game development, and I'll always remember it very fondly, it's a game that people, including our own Todd Howard, still mention to me as one of their all-time favorites. What do you enjoy most about your job? I love collaborating with other developers to bring a game to life and solve problems. Games are really a series of problems, and each game and each component of a game is a unique thing that you're working through for the first time, every time. It combines the most challenging aspects of storytelling and software engineering into a bespoke, cohesive whole. There's also a component of usability that's unique to game development. A person has to pick up a controller and use the game to tell their story without any help from you. What's your favorite game or games that inspire you? I would say that my favorite game of the past few years has to be Satisfactory. There's something deeply enjoyable about building a big factory, seeing all my doodads and medals and stuff zip around on conveyor belts that I really like. I'm also deep into my first playthrough of Baldur's Gate 3. Baldur's Gate 3. It's got a great mix of classic CRPG elements with some really nice modern touches and really captures the feeling of playing a D&D &D campaign. What's your favorite thing about a Bethesda Games Studios? My favorite... My favorite thing about Bethesda Game Studios is the creative freedom that we give to individual devs. It actually takes a bit of getting used to, but you can do almost anything you want within reason. There's a charm to Bethesda's games that comes from having a variety of voices talking about the same thing in very different ways. What are you working on next that you're excited for everyone to see? Obviously, I couldn't be more proud of the work that the team has done on Starfield. It really is a huge achievement we've been able to make a game of this scope and complexity. There's also another project that I'm very excited to start contributing to. Do you have any fun stories working on Bethesda Game Studios games? One of the things that I don't tell you in game development school is that video games are kind of a mess for a lot of production. Even if you're building content for a perennial title with an established code base, you're still rebuilding parts of the plane while it's in flight. There are stretches of time where it looks awful and plays even worse, and part of the job is peering through the chaos to see the light at the end of the tunnel. My favorite moments on any project or when all of that hard work comes together. Suddenly, the new lighting model comes online, or the terrain stitching system starts to work and the game snaps into focus and you get glimmers of the thing that you've been working on. We had one of those moments on the space team. We tried to playtest every week with the whole team and I still remember the first time I got on my ship at New Atlantis, took off into space, found another ship and attacked and boarded it, stole it and then flew away all in one playthrough with no cheats or console commands. Moments like that are electrifying, when suddenly you can say to yourself, I think this might actually work. Do you have a favorite aspect, quest, character, moment, theme of the game you're currently working on so far? There's a moment early in the United Colonies quest line where we introduce a specific creature that's pretty cinematic. I think people are going to enjoy that and the classic sci-fi references it points to. We also have a number of space encounters that are the kind of thing you would only find in a Bethesda game. I won't spoil anything. 
And then they say, thank you so much to Zach for taking the time to answer our questions. Check out more from our team here at Bethesda Game Studios. If you want to work alongside Zach or anyone else at Bethesda Game Studios, visit our careers page and apply today. And last I checked, they did in fact have an open posting for a game designer. So if you're so inclined, go to their website, check it out and go ahead and try to apply if that's what you want. So I did see a question in chat about the leaker and I'm going to go ahead and assume that they are talking about Tyrone. And I think I have an article pulled up on him. And if not, if you give me a little second, I can absolutely go ahead and grab one. All right. Here we have the man who leaked the first 40 minutes or so of Bethesda's highly anticipated RPG Starfield was arrested yesterday, not for leaking spoilers, but because of his theft for the game of the game. As first reported by Kotaku, I, I really don't think they were the first to report that, but that's just who they're copying from. 29-year-old Darren Harris, Darren Tyler Harris, by the way, his middle name's, I mean, Tyrone, Darren Tyrone Harris, was booked yesterday in Shelby County, Tennessee, on a felony charge of theft of property costing $25,000 to $10,000, a misdemeanor charge of theft or property of $1,000 or less, and another misdemeanor charge of possession of marijuana per information on the Shelby County Sheriff's Office website. This says it was updated a few days ago, but subsequent to this, I'm pretty sure it has been upgraded and he is actually has like over 60 counts of theft on him now because he had like over 60 copies of the game that he was trying to sell on Mercari. So they don't necessarily know yet how he got a hold of them, but he did in fact get a hold of these from stealing. So please, 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 please. I know that we all really want to play this game early, but don't steal it. Try not to steal anything, <laughs> but don't steal the game. I mean, unless it's food and you need to eat, I would highly encourage you not to go through life stealing things. And then if you do, don't post videos of you doing it and then mailing it through FedEx to people you sold it to, because that's really only going to be used against you in a court of law. And it will not work. It will not work out well for you, but that's going to do it for this week's folks. Thanks. Remember, you can reach me at starfieldpulse at gmail.com and find me on all the social medias at and YouTube at Rob Unwraps. If you enjoy these episodes on YouTube, make sure to like, subscribe, and leave a comment. If you're listening on your favorite podcast app, make sure to rate us and leave a review. Thanks, and I'll see you next time.